I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, navigating all my time spent, letting niggas know. Billion dollar, billion dollar. Hey yo, what is going on? Welcome to the show, Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor. I spent the last eight years of my life studying mindset of elite performers and applying those lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from mentors who are doing exactly what I want to do in all areas of life. So I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me, and in my search for those answers, this podcast was born. I wanted to share that valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs investors and world-class athletes so thank you all for tuning in this show is for free and my guests do give their precious time to be here so i do ask for something in exchange to show our thanks i ask that the price of admission be you share this if you get any value you go onto your social media you share it with your friends you share it with your family you share it with your co-workers you share it with people in the streets look my goal is to influence 1 million people to invest in themselves and to unlock their own potential and i can't do that alone so what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of into the mind i'm your host marlon johnson and today my guest is steve trang And let me say a little something about Steve. Steve is a serial entrepreneur. He's based here in Arizona. He owns multiple companies, including a brokerage, title company, wholesale company, and I'm sure some more that I don't even know about. (laughs) He's easily breaking the seven-figure mark. And I would say what Steve is best known for is his massively successful podcast, Real Estate Disruptors, and also his way for teaching sales to just about anyone. And what's even more interesting and unique is Steve isn't what you would consider your traditional career salesman, right? He came from an engineer background, so his mind thinks in systems and processes. So he's actually found a way to break down the sales process almost so that it can be done by anybody without excuse. So we're going to tap into that a little bit later. Steve's on a pretty interesting mission to create 1,000 millionaires. 100. It's going to be 1,000. Ooh, a hundred millionaires. Okay, my bad. It's going to be a thousand though because he's going to keep going bigger. And he does that through adding value through his training and also through the content that he releases online for free. He even says it where, guys, if you can't even afford anything, just listen to his content, listen to the guest, and you're provided with more than enough value to break that code. So today we're going to be diving deep into Steve's story. We're going to learn about some of the largest challenges he's faced. We're going to break down how anyone can improve their sales massively. And we're going to see what it takes to exist in this real estate space. So Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. It's a total honor for me. Oh man, I appreciate that. So before we dive into anything, right, I was doing a little bit of research last night and I did find out something new. I didn't know this before and I didn't hear it anywhere before, which was that you were born into a refugee camp. So I would yeah. love to go into that backstory just because it's brand new for me. Yeah. So just real quick is, uh, so originally, right, all four sides, all four grandparents were from China, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was the communist revolution, Mao, uh, Chairman Mao, you know, won. And my family is in Southeast China, uh, kind of where Florida would be, right? Right. In China. And so they fled. And they fled, you know, a lot of the people of my ethnicity uh, from China fled to all over Southeast Asia. My grandparents specifically fled to Vietnam, which we all know, communism took over again. Uh, so my grandparents lost everything in China, restarted from scratch, lost everything again in Vietnam and communism took over. And so my parents fled on boats, like shoddy boats. You know, they were called boat people. And they fled, and we were stranded, actually, in the middle of the ocean 
we, we fled. They went to multiple uh, other countries, were forced away by Marines with machine guns, right? Like uh, soldiers with machine guns saying, like, you can't come here. Uh, one of them allowed them to come on, stole everything from them, and then kicked them back out into the water. And so my family or my parents were stranded in the ocean, and um, we were picked up by an Italian Navy ship. They took us to Trieste, and that's where I was born. I was born in a refugee camp. Oh, wow. Um, you know, waiting hopefully one day to come to America because when we fled Vietnam, the goal was right to chase the American dream mm -hmm. somehow, some way. So thankfully we were able to do that through Christian sponsors, um, before I even turned a year old. Wow. Yeah. So you were born into all that. So your parents had some hardship to really work through and essentially the family there. So yeah. at what point did they make it stateside? Uh, so when I was seven months old, so, uh, 1980. Oh, yeah. Wow. Cool. So when they came stateside, I mean, what was that like? Was your life essentially like what was the upbringing of Steve? Because I mean, right now people look at you and they see uber success. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much to just people understand. They look at something and they look at someone and figure, oh, he just always had that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people just seem to look at what's happening today mm -hmm. and assume the entire past yeah. was that way. So essentially, what was life coming up? Well, I can tell you my life has never been hard. Right. It was hard for my parents. You know, my dad, he was going, working at a Chinese restaurant, going to community college. Um, you know, my mom, uh, she couldn't go to high school. She went to high school, right? But she dropped out because she, she couldn't graduate high school because she had me, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so it was really hard for my parents. For me, as far as I know, life's always been pretty good. You know, like living in a trailer park, you don't know any better. You don't know that life sucks, right? Living in a trailer oh. park. Um, you know, when I was growing up, we were in a car with no AC in Arizona. That sucks, right? But you don't know it sucks. Right, like today, if you go in a car with no AC in Arizona, this sucks. Yeah. But if you just grow up, and that's just the, like that's just the way life is. That's just the way life is, right? So as far as I know, like I, I live in apartments, uh, trailer parks, um, all these other places. As far as I knew, like life was fine, right? Mm -hmm. So I never experienced hardship uh, financially, and my parents just worked their butts off. There's raised me and five younger brothers, where you know my parents are well off today because of all the sacrifice and how many hours they worked. They, they they didn't kill themselves, right? I mean, they're doing great now, but they they worked their butts off to, to, mm -hmm. to create the wealth and the opportunities for me. And the expectation was as much as much as they were busting their butts, I need to get good grades. I need to get uh, go to a good college, which I didn't know what day is you. Um, <laughs> and you get a good job, right? And then have a steady career as an engineer, which I did until I quit, right? <laughs> and same thing with all my brothers. They all did the same thing, good grades, uh, go to high school, get a scholarship. So out of the six of us, um, I don't know if it's four of us or five of us got scholarships, full rides to college. Oh, wow. Right. Cause that was the expectations. That was what it was set. It wasn't like, I hope you get good grades. It's like, you're getting a scholarship. Right. And so we all got scholarships and got good jobs. I'm the only one that quit. Uh, all my other brothers are, are engineers. You know, that's really interesting. Cause I can relate to that heavily. Cause my family came here as immigrants from Trinidad and Jamaica and I always tell people, growing up, I was convinced I was poor, mm -hmm. right? And I was in a healthy middle class. As I got older and reflected back, I was like, I was healthy middle class, but the mindset was, hey, mom, can I get this? We can't afford that. Mm -hmm. Hey, mom, could I have this? No, that's a waste of money. Like, we're not spending money on that. That doesn't make sense. So I just mentally was like, every time I wanted something, I heard, no, we don't have enough money for it. I thought we were poor. So my perspective was that. So I appreciate what you're saying where, hey, like, life wasn't bad. It was just life. This is what I knew. Mm -hmm. And you worked with it. Yeah, so we got a lot of we couldn't afford that, right? And it was yeah. true, but it was just it was just the way it is. Like, 
I kind of made the I kind of make the joke now, right? Like, because people are, like I'm not a dog lover, and like, why don't you have why don't you have any dogs? And I would just tell them the same thing my parents told me. That's for wealthy people. <laughs> yeah, I got I heard uh, dogs belong outside, like they yeah. don't belong inside yeah, of the house. And exactly. I was like, All right, fair enough. So you had an engineer background. Mm-hmm. You left out. You dropped out and quit that job there, basically. Yep. And you started to pursue real estate. Yeah. Right. And you didn't necessarily go directly into real estate investing. You went into the world of being a realtor or a licensed agent. Exactly. What caused that shift? Uh, loss of focus. You know. Interesting. Um, so I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Right. Like everyone else, read Rich Dad Poor Dad is <laughs> like, oh crap, W two is not the way to go. Uh, you got to work for yourself, get passive income. But in the process of buying passive income. Got distracted because I met a broker who was doing well, allegedly. You know, he said he was making six figures a year. I said, okay, well, shoot, that's more than I'm making in Intel. So why don't I go do that? So I asked him, like, what can I do to learn from you? He said, go get your real estate license. I'll teach you everything I know. So I got my real estate license in two and a half weeks, submitted my two weeks notice, and bam, both feet as a realtor, right? Uh, I'm an action taker. I, right? I can uh, see that, man. <laughs> I move fast. But, for real. Uh, so I, I look at those like those, those are the lost years, right? Because... Instead of having one boss at Intel, I now got a crap load of bosses. Every buyer, every seller, and my broker are people are my bosses now. Mm-hmm. People I have to serve, right? So that was the wrong direction, but I just got lost in the weeds and didn't realize it. Didn't pull my head up, you know, for eight or nine years. I didn't realize, oh, oh wow. crap, like this wasn't what Rich Dad Poor Dad was about. Yeah, right? so I mean, you essentially traded one job for an even tougher job. Mm-hmm. And then you just find yourself eight years down the road having a realization. I mean, what I guess you were so focused and disciplined that you were able to stay in that position for so long, yeah. which is cool because that's a good work ethic. But then it started to bite you in the butt because now you were. Well, in what happened was I crushed it as a realtor, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's 40,000, 45,000 realtors, right, in the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. And I was consistently one of the top performers. You know, I was my best year, I was number 38 out of the whole market right and we were consistently closing 100 plus houses uh a year and so we get the accolades you get the recognition you got the title companies like hey steve let's go to lunch you got the lenders hey steve you know what can we do how can we work together getting recruited kelly williams all these other brokerages it feels good Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day all that matters is what's in your bank account all that hard work all the other stuff is fluff and one day i was like i'm making way more wholesaling than i am as a realtor, why am I doing this? And that's when the pivot. You started to transition into wholesale. Yeah. So speak about that, right? Because you start to transition into wholesale now. Like, was your brokerage on board? Were the people that you were working with on board? Or did you have to now abandon and leave the ship you were on and start getting onto this new ship alone? You know, this is a great question. It's a very timely question. Because in the last year and a half, we had quite a bit of turnover. People leaving the brokerage. They're like, you know, we don't, we're not on board with this wholesaling thing, which is unfortunate. You know, uh, so we have people leave, but at the end of the day, I don't have any ill will for that. I tell them, like, if you don't, this doesn't work for you. Like, I get it. I respect that, you know, and we'll, we'll still be, you know, friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to do what's best for me and my family. And if you leaving, going to work in other brokerage is best for your family, God bless you. Like, I got no ill will whatsoever. Um, but for me, I don't care about the transactions. I don't care about the accolades. I, cr- I care about creating Wealth, general generational wealth, more time. I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. I think that there are a lot of realtors that don't care for the wholesaling industry, mm-hmm. which I get, right? I just think it's a little unfortunate because are you necessarily 
chasing your goals? Do you have clarity, absolute clarity in what you're trying to accomplish? Uh, because I can tell you right now, you know, taking calls, looking at this house or, or doing these other things, it's just not what excites me. Right. You know, I was going to say that too, because you said the word just now, clarity. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people are missing. Because right now, I can just listen and see and hear it in you that you do get very clear on your mission. Mm-hmm. And the folks that might be lacking that clarity are the ones that kind of fall to the wayside. So how much emphasis do you put for the team to have clarity? Like if they're gonna, if someone were to come on board and let's say work with you or do something mm-hmm. with you, is there a certain level of clarity that you almost emphasize they obtain so that they can get on board? Absolutely. I mean, the question I'm asking was like, what do you want? And that's that's a real question. And sometimes it feels like a loaded question or it's a trick question. But really, I wanted to know, do you know what you want? Because mm-hmm. if you know what you want, then we can figure out whether I can help you. Or maybe I can't help you. Maybe someone else has to help you. But if you know what you want, then we can figure out whether I am qualified to help you or not. But if you don't know what you want, I'm not a psychologist. Like I can't, I can't help you. I can help you get clarity, but I can't put it into you. I can't give you motivation. I'm not Tony Robbins. I can't motivate you. I can't, I can coach you through situations, but I can't, I can't be a life coach. You know, and it's interesting right now, like even as I'm listening to you, I'm just like, huh. And you know, you almost developed like a sales training or like even a way of speaking to sellers that's similar to this, where you almost have the seller mm-hmm. get clarity on yep. what it is they want mm-hmm. and the way you communicate with them so that you can figure out, hey, can I serve you or not? Yep. Right. I'm not going to try and break myself and bend myself over backwards to do something I can't do, especially if it's not even something you're sure you even want. Yeah. What do you want? And can I give it to you? Let's mm-hmm. figure that out so we're not wasting each other's time because I can go help people and you can be helped by someone else, but the two of us together don't work. Yeah, it might not be a good fit. And that's uh, if you go back to the original meaning of to sell, you know what the root of sell means? I believe from what I heard is sales is service, but I'm not sure, sure if that's where yeah. you're going. To sell someone is to serve them. Okay. That's not what it looks like in Hollywood. That's not what it feels like when we go buy things. <laughs> but to sell... The original meaning is to serve. And so, yeah, when I'm selling, I'm serving. I'm trying to figure out what you want, and then we got to figure out if I can give it to you. Right. Right. And that, that's that's true in um, uh, buying someone's house. That's true in mentoring somebody. That's true in working with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, whether as an employer or an employee. Like, in every facet of relationships, I think it's absolutely critical. No, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's funny. I know a lot of people that have gone through your sales training and they say it has been absolutely game changing because you changed their mind on how to approach the entire business on just how to approach business and sales, period. Yeah. Which is interesting because a lot of folks are still running out there and they're thinking of themselves, right? And they're losing deals left and right. And I always, I come across this all the time when I finally get onto the phone with the seller and they're just at the end of the transaction, they're telling me, you know, you're so nice and you're so kind and so many people have been calling and I'm wondering, what the heck are the other people saying to you? Like, what are those conversations sounding like and are they really working? You yeah. know, uh, I think it works. I wouldn't <laughs> say it works well. I wouldn't say it's effective, uh, but it works, right? I mean, like, if you look at the poker analogy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can play six, seven offsuit every hand and you'll win hands. You will. But, man, you're going to lose a lot of money in the long run. So I, I look, I'm a very big fan of game theory and I look at a lot of that, right? Like there's things that work and there's things that we do that will cost you sales. 
I'd say that to our, our mentees. Like, if you do this, just know, like, you can lose a sale. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, you will close more sales. That makes sense. Yeah. So let me ask you this, right? As you have been growing your business, right? You've been growing several businesses, multiple. What have been, what has been one of the toughest challenges that you've encountered along this road, right? Because you came from the traditional safe, you know, W-2. Mm -hmm. You stepped into the absolute unknown wild, wild west of entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know, and as awesome as it is with the results on the end, there's a lot of fires in between. Mm -hmm. What has been one of the largest fires for you? Uh, so the two biggest challenges, um, everyone thinks like marketing, like how do I find sellers? How do I talk to sellers? Like, like that's not the hardest, right? Like, I... You can learn from YouTube, you can learn from a mentor, how to find sellers. You can learn from us or from somebody else, how to talk to sellers. Uh, but the two biggest challenges is uh, your work-life balance, mm -hmm. right? Which no one really talks about because everyone here says grind, grind, grind. All right, so work-life balance is the first one. Uh, and the second one is managing, managing people. And one of the reasons why I quit Intel is because I know I was a grunt. I was a grunt on the front lines. I actually loved being a grunt on the front lines because that meant I could just go home and be done, mm. right? But the path of an engineer is to move up and eventually manage people. And I had zero interest in managing people, zero, right? I don't want to deal with people, right? Uh, my personality profile inherently says I don't want to talk to people. That's my natural profile. But once you become an entrepreneur, you learn that the only way to grow and buy time back is through people. Exactly. And so when you're managing people, uh, this is kind of what you and I were talking about before we started, was that uh, we are irrational beings. We are emotional beings. We're unpredictable. And, you know, I don't know what might set you off today. I have no idea, right? Uh, what motivates you today might not motivate you tomorrow. So there's all these variables you got to balance and, and juggle, which is fine if it's one-to-one. -one. And it's even fine if I'm managing two people. I got over a hundred people here. I got to balance all these egos and emotions and all this and that. It's not simple. Yeah. So that's the, the greatest challenge, but I relish it because for me, I love challenges. Hey, there we go. It's funny. Cause I was, uh, interviewing Cody a little earlier today, mm -hmm. Cody Barton. And I was asking him a very similar question essentially is what's been one of the challenges since you started scaling that you've been running into. Same exact answer. Yeah. He said it was the people, mm -hmm. right? And I've been able to see it just spending time out here in Arizona for the last week and really seeing how a mix of energy in a room, it's a cocktail for some, potentially something amazing. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you put a few bad seeds in there yeah. and things come crumbling down. It's like a cancer in the system. Yep. And it's up to the leadership to recognize that, pull it out and replace it with something better mm -hmm. that can possibly have it improve. And then as you start to evolve, the challenge is, sounds like you're saying, where it's evolving, now the cocktail needs to change. Yeah. The formula has to change, and the same people that worked yesterday might not work today. Yeah, there's that, and also the leader you have to be to manage one person is different than the leader you need to be to manage three people, is different than the leader you need to be to manage 50 people. You gotta constantly grow, and I, th I think that's the most valuable skill, but no one really talks about it, because it's mm -hmm. not sexy. No. It's... But that's the most valuable skill. Of all the skills, that's the most valuable skill. Right. I mean, Andrew Carnegie, right? You know, he, credited a lot of his success to his management of people, his management skills. He said, listen, why would I bog myself down with a lot of this when I can go and find the person yeah. that I could put on the job? Exactly. So I love that, that you developed this team here where you get folks to do that. 
So now that you are starting to bring people in and you're starting to grow large, and you said like half the folks weren't essentially with the culture of wholesaling, right? Where is it that you see the business going? Where are you trying to direct things going forward? So this is going to sound, I don't know, kind of crazy, but that's not even my focus. Uh, right. I mean, I'm looking at my next ventures, right? Like what am I doing next? So we've got our culture here. We've got our group, we've got our group here and it's ride or die. Like you can be with me or you're not. Like I can't worry about that. I'm, I've got this purpose. I've put here on this planet for a reason. I'm going to go crush things. Right. So, I mean, one thing I want to do, you can see what we built out here. I'm trying to catch Joe Rogan on Spotify. Ooh, I love right? it. I'm trying to catch Grant Cardone in sales training. Like I've got all these other things I'm focused on. I'm going to keep, you know, recruiting the people, building out the systems, processes, and all these other things, but I can't worry about who's with me and who's not. That's not, if I do that, I mean, what am I going to sleep? All I can do is just, you know, be who I am and attract the people that want to be with me. And if I can be who I am, I can be authentic, I can be a good leader, then I can attract the people that want to join us on the mission. And if you're not meant to be on this mission, that's okay. You know what? That's been just a reoccurring theme that I've been seeing nonstop since since I've been coming to Arizona, since I've been out here hanging out with good people. It's the leaders that I've been finding out here all have an extreme sense of clarity, mm. a very strong sense of clarity on who they are and what their desires are. Let me ask you, at what point did you start to gain this clarity and what do you do when you if you ever start to lose clarity, how do you regain focus and regain clarity? Uh, what helps definitely in reaffirming clarity is affirmations. You know, I have okay. my affirmations and I should be looking at it every day, to be honest, I'm not. You know, like when I was consistent, I was watching, I was, I was looking at it every week, every weekday morning. Mm -hmm. I'm not, uh, but as far as developing the clarity, I don't know, I mean, I'm just a super competitive guy. So I just know who's ahead of me. And it's just that. See, but that's good. So you do, like, you have the self-awareness. Yeah. Right? Because I find that, you know, and I can tell, I can speak from experience, right? In the beginning, as I was getting started, you know, I'm seeing the rock stars that you're bringing on your show. And I'm like, man, Max Maxwell's doing this. Like, that's cool. Like, let me start trying that. And then, like, Carlos Reyes is doing this. Like, oh, let me start. And before I knew it, I was trying to be, like, 12 different people. And I'm calling the seller one day trying to sound like one guy. And I'm trying to sound like Keith Everett. And then <laughs> I was just like, what the hell am I doing? doing this yeah. isn't making any sense and then when I stopped and really narrowed it down and you actually helped bring a lot of focus to this because you have a personality type that isn't necessarily that career salesman but you said like watching you with the closer Olympics like you had your style yeah. and it was working it was working for you and you were being you mm -hmm. and that's something that I think gets lost sometimes so I try to emphasize just when I find individuals that are very clearly winning from being themselves yeah and that's the path to walk that path. If you truly want to emulate someone, you don't emulate them by doing what they're doing on the outside. Emulate what they're doing on the inside, which yeah. is being them. Yeah, emulate their behaviors, emulate their habits, but you don't have to be them. So one thing is interesting is, um, you know, you hear these things, right? Comparison is a thief of joy, mm -hmm. right? And you hear these guys like, I just want to be the best version of myself. And I get all those things, right? For me, I love seeing people kicking my butt. I love that there is upside right because i don't look as like man he's doing this he's doing that god that sucks for me you know like i'm, I'm envious of that guy i look at that and say okay so joe rogan did 100 million spotify mm -hmm. that's possible 
now I can chase it, right? We got Ryan Pineda, Kong Lee, you know, we're on texting uh, uh, threads. I see what Ryan's doing, I see what Kong's doing. Perfect, now I know it's possible. I'm gonna hire all these people to make it happen. So, whereas some people look, it's like, man, that sucks, you know, woe is me. I look, it's like, now I know what's possible. And now I'm gonna go do it. See, that seems to be like the entrepreneurial spirit. That's something that essentially can't really be taught. That's something that yeah. I think is you're born with, where you look, and because I had the same premise, I came from the world of parkour. One of my good friends, I grew up with him since kindergarten, world-class athlete, runs with the Red Bull, amazing. And when I would train with him, people would say, they put him on this pedestal. And I used to just think, well, if he could do it, so can I. Yeah. I had no business thinking like that. And thank <laughs> God I didn't die. But yeah. that was the thought process. And it actually leveled me up much faster. Right. So do you find a lot of value in going and putting yourself around people, like you said, that are almost like kicking your butt that are much better than you and all day, every day. Nice. So you actively would go out of your way to go find those people if they weren't near you. Yeah. So I'm in a mastermind, right? Um, I'm in collective genius. Oh, nice. And yeah. one thing that's really cool in there is there's a whole bunch of people kicking my butt. Right. Um, so they got that. I mean, in town, right? We got Jamil, we got Pace, we got Brent Daniels, um, Jesse Burrell, um, Carlos Reyes. I know I'm missing. I know I'm leaving people out. They got all these guys in here, and at any time I can call them up, say, "Hey, what's going on? Here's what I'm dealing with." Right. So I got I got it locally, I got it nationally, and I mean it's it's the greatest blessing, and I think part of what you're doing here, you know, you you're in Pace's mastermind. Right. Right. You're doing this podcast. You're putting yourself in the right room. We're all leveling up through personal development to qualify ourselves to be a next room over the smallest fish. I've been in too many rooms where I was the biggest fish, and I hated it. So all we can do is level up so that we can qualify to be the bottom guy in the next big room. Man, I like that. I've never heard anyone put it like that. And that yeah. I'm going to use that analogy because, and I think you just answered the question for me. I was going to ask essentially if you found yourself hypothetically in a new town, a new city, and the energy in that town and city was very neutral. No one was competitive. No one was growing. No one was grinding, right? Everything was just A-OK -okay and kosher. Would you stay in that place and try to elevate everyone else and try to get them to raise their energy so you could boost yourself? Or knowing that some place like Arizona or Texas or Georgia existed, would you get up, move yourself to that place, and go to be among those people? So I'm going to give you a third answer. Ooh. Right? I'm going to do everything I can to be the king of that hill. And then I level up by masterminding with those other guys in other towns. So okay. yeah, like if there's no, if there's no number one, I'm going to be number one. I like that. So essentially it sounds like you would go do your hunting and bring it back home yeah. and be the king of your castle. Yeah. Man, that's freaking awesome. So let me ask, your mindset is pretty competitive. It's pretty strong. It's pretty straightforward and clear, mm -hmm. right? What are you doing on a day to day to cultivate this mindset? Was it something that was purely you were born with or is it something that you actively consciously had to create for yourself so there's a book tiger mom right it was written a few years ago actually i think they were based out of new york too it was um basically it was, it was an asian lady mm -hmm. talking about like the screwed up things asian people do to their kids right and it's not just asians it was asians jews mormons um nigerians and like there's a few different groups right, right. but they talk about how they screw up their kids and the way they screw up their kids is like you got to get good grades getting good grades is not an option right if you don't get good grades like you're dead to me yep Right? Like, you gotta get good grades or you're an embarrassment to the family. And I raise my kids the same way. So maybe not healthy. 
But what happens when you raise your kids that way? They're competitive, right? Um, they're 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 motivated. They also have low self esteem. I don't have that problem. But those are the three things that happen, right? So I think that uh, this was programmed into me uh, by my parents. Being the oldest son in an Asian family was programmed into me. Mm. Like you need to go be successful because you're gonna take care of your parents when they retire. You're gonna take care of all your younger brothers, right? Like it's like if any of the five brothers don't do well, you're responsible for them. If we die early, you're responsible for them. Like it's been programmed from us from day one. Like, you know, you're carrying the family name, the legacy, you need to do all these things. Expectations were super high. And I think that's what programmed the, the competitiveness. Yeah. And me. So essentially like your upbringing really did have a good role in playing yeah. like the personality traits that are exhibited today. So I'm curious then, how did your family and parents feel when you made that transition, they essentially stepping away, yeah, they hate it. Just like cut it down right away. Oh yeah, they hate it. I mean, they're like, why would you do this? Why would you, right? Like, you got a good job. You know, I was making eighty-five thousand a year, uh, plus benefits and all this other stuff. I was working twenty-five hours a week, if that. You know, working at Intel, they kind of have a reputation of being a sweatshop, but I wasn't. I mean, I would just roll in at nine thirty, and if you saw me after five, like you got lucky. You know, like I still remember, like Mondays at four o'clock. I was out at the door by four o'clock on Mondays because at Lifetime, at, Life, at Lifetime Fitness, that's mm -hmm. when all the Cardinals players played. Oh, nice. You know, so like I'm playing basketball with Anquan Bolden, Donovan McNabb, Get out of here. you know, all these other guys. But in order to be on that first game, yet I had to leave the office by four o'clock on Mondays. So, and that, I didn't deserve it to be on that court, but you get the best, right? And you see, I'm attracted. I say, you put yourself there though. You I'm made attracted it to greatness, yeah. right? So. I'm going to play basketball with them. And did I get embarrassed by them? Sure. But I had fun. And I'm sure you leveled up like crazy like yeah. from where you were. So, um, and we can talk about other stories, right? Like, you know, arguments with Terrell Suggs and some of these other guys. <laughs> uh, but that's, I had a good life playing, uh, working at Intel. And I wish I could have given that to anybody else. But I couldn't. And my mom would look at me. She's like, you're crazy. You've got this great job, steady job. Why would you walk away from that? I was like, it's not for me. I'm just... I'm not coachable, not not coachable. I was actually kind of uncoachable then. I'm unmanageable, mm. <laughs> unemployable. <laughs> so that just wasn't the life for me. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something there. Like that's a common trait, right? Because it's again, it's you knowing you. Like, and I can't emphasize that enough. Like you on the inside said, like, listen, I gotta live with me. Mm -hmm. I gotta live with my life. I gotta live with my decisions. I'm playing all out based on my rules, right? If I'm gonna lose, let me lose on my terms. If I'm yep. gonna win, let me win on my terms. Exactly. So. This one's an interesting question, right? Because I want to be respectful of your time, and I know you got to run out soon, right? And I know you said you're not quite concerned with the future. However, let's imagine 20 years down the road, right? 20 years out, where's the business, and are your kids a part of that business as well? Uh, 20 years? I don't even know. I mean, hopefully in 20 years, I'm hanging out with, like, Elon and Bezos, right? Who knows? Hey, let's hear it. Right? Like, who knows? Like, anything can happen in five years. And, you know, I'm going to answer this question another way. So I was running with somebody... Um, uh, he drive he flies not flies he drives down he's a pilot he drives down from Prescott on Fridays to run with us mm -hmm. right two hours he drives down to Jeez. run with us at five forty so you see what time he's waking up and he asked me this question like Steve if you took everything you know today and you put it in your eighteen year old where would you be today I said I'd be eating Grand Cardone's lunch right <laughs> and I'd be hanging out with Gary V and that sounds crazy but the stuff that you and I know today you take that twenty years imagine all the progress we can make. Right, because right. 
Grant Cardone wasn't relevant uh, more than 10 years ago, right? He wrote his first book around 2010, 2011. Gary Vee started his YouTube channel around 2005, 2006. So I'm just putting that in context. And with how fast everything's changing today, 20 years is a really long time. It is. Anything can happen in the next 20 years, right? That's, that's the reason why I said I'm, Amazon, how relevant was it 20 years ago? Not really relevant, you know? Like, that's, that's the reason why I'm answering answer this question this way. Anything is possible in 20 years. You know, and I like that, right? Because earlier before I came out here, Pace gave you a great compliment. And he said, Steve is probably one of the most consistent people I effing know on the planet. Right? He was just like, dude, that guy like will put it down and then he will like burn a hole through whatever he's doing because he will just do it till no end until it's complete and it is just burrowed in. So like you're planting seeds mm -hmm. and then you're watering it and you're watching it grow. And ultimately, that's what it takes. You have this yeah. understanding and the concept of the value of compound, compound interest and time. Yep. Which a lot of like, in our world, like I mean, I'm a product of the new generation. It's instant gratification. Yeah. There is no more understanding of delayed gratification. There is no more understanding <laughs> of cultivating something today for what it will bring you twenty years, ten years, fifteen years down the road. Yeah. So it's insane to listen to you say that because as you say it, I'm like, man, this guy has clarity. Like, shoot, he's gonna be. Hanging out with Bezos and like Elon. I mean, I don't know about Bezos and Elon, but I'm just saying, like, 20 years, like, literally anything is possible. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So, I have two questions that I always ask everyone that comes on the show. These are my two favorite. One of them's pretty common, but I'd love to know the answer because I feel I'm a, I'm a reader, right? I read a lot of books, and I believe it's important to just keep this sharp, right? So, can you name two books? And we're not going to let you use Rich Dad Poor Dad because everyone's used that book. But can you name two books that have been complete paradigm shifts for you? After you read these books, your mind never quite went back to thinking the same. Uh, Miracle Morning. Miracle Morning, okay. All right, which is, is a really simple read, but The Miracle Morning. Uh, let's see, what would be the other book that really changed everything? Um, man, there's so many great books, but as far as the ones that like, changed everything... I mean, I can't think of anything specifically. Uh, I would say The Road Less Stupid is is profound. Um, never Split the Difference. I mean, that made it. That's a good book, yeah. That, I mean, before I started teaching sales, that was <laughs> one that made a big difference in my life. Yeah. So I would say probably Never Split the Difference is one that uh, that changed uh, a lot of our approach in talking to anybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, actually that book I owe a lot. It just teaches you human communication. Mm -hmm. And when people don't understand sales, I'm like, okay, well, you just don't understand how to talk to another human. You just yeah. don't get that part. Because even when people ask me, what's a good sales book? I actually recommend Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. I'm like, read this. And they're like, that's not a sales book. I'm like, really? Go read it and let's have another conversation. Yeah. So that's really cool. So then the final question is this. I think I'm going to ask that question. You asked earlier about the kids. Right. So the kids can do whatever they want. Oh, nice. Right? So, uh, you know, my hope for them is that they're going to be entrepreneurs. That's my hope for them. But really, what we're doing, um, and this is going to go against everything I said this past weekend, but uh, <laughs> I want them to be able to live the life that they want. Mm -hmm. right? I want to empower them and help them live the life of their dreams. So whether it's working with me or not, that's my hope for them. So then I actually have one really interesting question on that topic because this is one where even like I still mentally kind of ping pong back and forth between, and I can get into a whole long story about it. I'll tell you probably off camera. Essentially, when it comes to raising the kids, right? Do you believe up until a certain point while they're under your roof that basically, hey, your freedoms will be somewhat limited. I am going to 
enforce that you learn this stuff later on when you're older you can do whatever or is it going to be you know what make your own decisions from day one and if you want to come this way come follow me uh at what age and what kind of decisions basically up until let's call it 18 up until they're 18 and they're out of your house or have the ability to leave the roof yeah up until they're 18 um it's my way or the highway okay you know i i agree with it i mean i'm biased i was raised that way i appreciate the way i was raised and i look at my counterparts and the kids that had all the freedom i just look at them now they don't necessarily know how to cope and just put them in the trash yeah like they don't have the skill sets (laughs) like uh robert kiyosaki calls them snowflakes yeah and like i'm just like you know i never want to say anything bad about anyone it's not my personality type but i'm like yeah you guys are soft because life is hard no matter what no matter who you are life's going to be difficult so i'm not doing you any favors by allowing you to be brittle and weak you know at least let me toughen you up while i know i love you i don't know what the rest of the world thinks about you at least in the house i know i care about you so So i'll love you unconditionally right uh that's that's the message and that's 100 percent always on point uh so jordan peterson some people hate him but one thing i love uh, from him was my job as a parent is to prepare you for the real world Mm -hmm. right like when you get out of there you're ready for the real world. The last thing I want is to get out there and be shocked, right? I'm not going to shelter you. I'm not going to, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help you. But at the end of the day, my job as a parent is to prepare you for the real world. So, and you see some of the crazy things I asked him to do, right? I had my kid put a VTO together yesterday, right? She's 10 years old. <laughs> you know, we're talking about core values, core focus, all this other stuff. And it, se- it seems crazy, but she's asking for help. She sees what mom and dad are doing and she wants to learn it. Right. Man, I used to work with kids, some of the best kids I had. The parents were strict, a little mm-hmm. bit more strict. You know, it wasn't yeah. militant. It wasn't a total dictatorship. However, there was a clear hierarchy of power, yeah. and the kids respected it. And then the others, they didn't. And there was a clear difference, especially over time. Given the amount of time, mm-hmm. the ones that had the stricter upbringing always excelled further than their peers. Yeah. So I love that. So here's the final question, and this one's really my favorite one. I'm think one day I'm going to write a book based on everyone's answers. Let's imagine tomorrow you wake up and you forget everything you know. You forget all the experiences you've had, the books you've read, the people you've met, the competitions you've won, the sales you've done. Every last bit of information is wiped from your mind. Mm-hmm. However, upon waking up, you're not scared. You're not freaking out. It's not a Saw movie. You know you're in a safe place. And you're coming to consciousness. A thought begins to bubble to the surface. That thought that bubbles to the surface you immediately begin to accept it and you don't doubt it. You take it as truth. You run with it full heartedly. What would you want that first thought to be that would now be essentially the foundation of everything else to come? Thought? Mm -hmm. Is my personality the same? Yeah. Let's say your personality is the same. Uh, the thought is, um, it's an interesting question, by the way, no one's ever asked, would my personality be the same? Well, because I'm asking this because my greatest strength is my irrational confidence, <laughs> right? Because that's the one thing, like, I've, I've said, I've talked to my friends about this. Like, if there's one thing I could pass on to my kids, it's not, it's not, um, it's not athleticism, obviously, right? It's not, it's not any, it's not brains or, 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 or work ethic or grit, it's none of that. If there's one thing I could pass on to my kids, it's confidence. So that's what I'm saying. Am I going to be the same person? Because if not, then confidence is the first thing I would instill. Um, and that's why you can take crazy actions, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so if everything else is the same, like um, then I guess um, it would more or less be you know be uh, you know go make your go get what's yours you know it's just the the entrepreneur go go ch- go chase entrepreneur entrepreneurship earlier you know I didn't chase it 
until after I read, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Even though I was doing it as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was selling, you know, my, I was leasing my calculator that had all the math <laughs> answers because I would take, I would do well in math, put all the answers in my calculator. Whoever was the highest bidder got my calculator. Uh, I was selling candy. You know, I got in trouble for selling candy in school. Um, so I mean, I was always hustling something. So I've always had that entrepreneurial uh, hustle. Yeah. But I would say, like right now, I would say, uh, you know, chase, chase your dreams. You know, the, the the be an entrepreneur. Go get what's yours. Man, I like that. That's actually really cool. And I could absolutely see you getting up from that day and just rebuilding everything. Yeah. Especially if you have no doubt about it and you're not distracted by any other thought in your mind. Yeah. You'd probably build even faster or just as fast as you're building now. I don't know for sure though, because oh. the chances I'm willing to take today are different than the chances I would take. 27-year-old me, right? 27-year-old me was invincible. I had no responsibilities. Mm. 41-year-old me has weaknesses. So It's a give and take. Yeah. That's why you said you would start earlier. Yeah. So hopefully for people that are listening right now, you guys are, if you're still young, right? If you're, and I know a lot of my audience, you guys are still 17, 18, 19, early 20s. Listen to Steve right now. He's telling you, go for it, right? You have nothing to lose. You have everything right now. You have your youth. You have your mind. You have connections the fact that you're listening to this podcast already shows that you're slightly different than most yeah. so run with it well so, and just think right every person that you think is super wealthy right you remove bill gates you remove warren buffett everyone else on that list created their wealth in the last 20 years so just think about that so if you're 19 17 whatever literally the sky is the limit that's insane so, Steve, for people that are now listening to you and this is their first time learning about you, where can they go to find you? Uh, so there's a couple different places. There's Instagram, Steve.Trang. There's a Real Estate Disruptors podcast on Apple, uh, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, or Disruptors.com, where a lot of our content as far as the you know different ways you can work with us. But, I mean, you can just Google Steve Trang. It's, it's out there. Awesome. And, guys, I'm going to put a link in the description below, so it's going to be super easy to find him. If you got anything of value from this episode at all, I want you to reach out, tag Steve, tag myself, share the episode with a friend, share with whoever you think could benefit from listening to something like this so that you can all continue to grow. And if you struggle at all, like I know we barely scratched the surface, but I am telling you, Steve is a wizard with sales. I have friends that have gone through his sales training, day and night difference, the contracts they have locked up. I'm sure you know Yui down in texas like they are day and night different so make sure you reach out to him connect and steve thank you for coming on the show man thank you this is a lot of fun you asked some really really good questions appreciate it man okay guys so i really hope you enjoyed that interview once again i ask that if you receive any value at all i mean anything if one thing stood out to you leave a comment below let people know what that thing was let us know what it was we do read all of the comments and absolutely share this with a friend that is how we help each other okay the best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow send that out to your friends help them grow Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe. Make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.